You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lawrence Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. Can a needle in the neck prevent hot flashes? With me today is Dr. Eugene Lipoff, an anesthesiologist and medical director of Northwest Community Hospital's Advanced Pain Center, who has pioneered the use of stellate ganglion block to alleviate hot flashes. Welcome, Dr. Lipoff. Thank you. Now, estrogen, of course, relieves vasomotor symptoms and works very well in even small doses, but many women can't or choose not to take estrogen. Herbs, hypnosis, SSRIs, anti-epileptics, and hypnosis have all been utilized with varied and sometimes not so much success. So it seems that an anesthesiologist would be the last person to get involved in hot flash therapy. So how did you get involved in this research? Well, the way we got involved in it is I had a patient that had severe hot flashes. Uh, which I referred to my brother, who is an internist. And he tried all of the above that you mentioned, except for estrogen. So everything failed. And he sent her back to me and he said, well, it's your patient. Why don't you try a stellar ganglion lock? Because stellar ganglion is utilized usually for CRPS or RSD, where extremity is usually perceived as hot. So he made the intuitive leap of faith. And I said, well, there is a big difference between arm and the entire thing entire body being hot. And he said, well, I, I think they may be underlying the same mechanism. And he said, why don't you try it? And then I tried it on that first patient. She was highly cooperative. And she had a great response. And then they actually forgot about that technique for two years until my nurse had a problem with severe hot flashes. Well, you know, I mean, obviously the etiology of hot flashes is quite complex. And we know it's tied to a thermoregulatory dysfunction of the hypothalamus. So can you be a little more specific about how a stellate ganglion block stops the flash from occurring? Yes. In fact, we have one publication in 07 regarding that. We're putting another one together shortly in 09, which I think will be a lot more informative. But I can tell you what I believe it does and how it works. There are two pieces of information which we published in 07 paper, Medical Hypothesis. One was done by looking at a retrorabies virus injection. Retrorabies is a neurological tool where rabies virus has affinity for nerves. So if you inject a stellar ganglion with a retrorabies virus and see where the connections lie, those researchers in O2 found three main areas of connections. One was insular cortex, two was hypothalamus, and three was amygdala. And then another study was done by Dr. Friedman in 07, where a functional MRI was utilized to evaluate which part of the brain was active or hyperactive during hot flash, mm-hmm. where he took 10 women, he wrapped them in hot towels to produce severe hot flash and scan their brain. So they found that insular cortex lights up during that functional MRI. So the point of our paper in 07 was, yes, there is a direct connection from a stellate to the brain, which I wasn't aware of, and most doctors are not. But two, there's also part of the brain that direct connection to that further demonstrates that that's the area of activity during hot flash. Everybody assumed it was hypothalamus, as you, you just did. But they seem to be insular cortex is a huge part of perception of heat. In fact, insular cortex is also similarly affected in CRPS or RSD, where heart of extremity is a main symptom. So since that paper, I've been further investigating what the etiology is. In fact, I've been searching for a possible unifying theory, if you will. Why does the stellate work on half flashes? Why does it work on CRPS? 
our new paper actually is coming out next week about using stellate for PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. So I was seeking a unifying theory, and this is what we found so far. It's been an interesting evolution. What we found is, here's a common factor, it's NGF, nerve growth factor. If a nerve is injured in CRPS, NGF is produced. That's been known for many years. If a ovaries or oophorectomy is performed on a rat, then the NGF is known to increase by 53%, which is a huge extent. If a soldier, they're about to jump out of the plane for training exercises for skydiving, NGF has also increased, mm-hmm. about 15%. NGF further is picked up, this is all based on a rat model, but you know it's very relevant, you'll see in a second. So NGF is picked up in the brain by the axons attached to whatever the NGF is. Then NGF is being carried to the cell body. Cell body then responds by producing sprouting, which is, if you imagine tip of the axons, sprouting like leaves. That's been known in pain literature for many years, but it's never really been discussed as related to hot flashes. So sprouting further produces norepinephrine. Norepinephrine, if injected into the brain the rat, produces hot flashes, which is quite interesting. If you put local anesthetic on the stellar ganglion, what happens is that it turns off NGF. NGF goes down, sprouting stops, norepinephrine level goes down, hot flashes stop. PTSD stops, CRPS stops. That's amazing. So we really do know a specific mechanism of action. You know, the injecting local anesthetic into the neck, for those of us that don't do it routinely, sounds painful and difficult. Can you describe what a patient experiences during a stellate ganglion block? I think it depends on a few factors. It depends, one, on the patient. There are people who are naturally stoic, and there's naturally people who are extremely fearful. People who are fearful, by the way, whenever a stellate ganglion block is performed, AIV is always placed with or without anesthetic. It's done for safety reasons. So if patients are fearful or anything like that, we give them sedation. We also have special patches which we've been working with, which is like lidocaine patch numb up the skin. We also use fluoroscopy so we can see exactly what we're doing. Thus, the amount of attempts required to achieve the correct level is small. How long of a procedure does this generally? Two to five minutes. Oh, so it's very quick. It's very quick. So most patients perceive it as they're much more frightened before they go in than when they come out. They go, this, is that all there is? When are you going to start? And then in the recovery room, you know, they're okay. But the possible complications, there was a paper in 1993 out of Germany. That's the only paper that I saw that was actually done to see what really happened in the real world. You can come out, imagine many complications. But in 1993 in Germany, keep in mind this was done without fluoroscopy. So this is prior to fluoroscopy. Fluoroscopy should be much safer because we know where we're at. So out of 40,000 stellar ganglions performed in that year in Germany, they saw 16 seizures. They saw nine subarachnoid spreads. They saw seven pneumothoraxes. And those are the complications. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Advances in Women's Health from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and I'm speaking with Dr. Eugene Lipoff, an anesthesiologist and medical director of Northwest Community Hospital's Advanced Pain Center, who has pioneered the use of stellate ganglion block to alleviate hot flashes. Now, Dr. Lipoff, do you see immediate relief, or is this something that takes time? About 90% of the time, the relief is within 24 hours, and about 10% it may take two, three days. And have you had anyone that you've not had a reduction in flashes? Yes. So far, we've done approximately 125 patients, and I would say seven had minimal effect. And do you ever repeat the block, or it's a one-time thing? 
No, we repeat it. Usually if the first one fails, the second one fails too. You know, most women experience vasomotor symptoms just for a year or two, but for others, it's a lifelong problem. So do you know how long the block lasts? Is this something that needs to be repeated at intervals, or is it a one-time thing? I'll just give you an example. There was a young lady who had breast cancer at 32, and then she had chemo, and she had a very awful story. We did one stellar ganglion block four years ago. It lasted two weeks. The second one has lasted so far four years. We have done the study that was published in Lancet Oncology, in May of this year, there were 13 patients. There was a follow-up, 52 follow-up that was published in September of this year. Just this will give you a good feel of how it works. So it was a 52-week follow-up. Out of the 52-week follow-up, out of 13 patients, one only needed one block, three needed three blocks, and nine needed two blocks only. So most people needed two blocks for a period of a year, and the responses were huge. We went from, let's say, 75 or 80 hot flash average per week down to two or three. And it seems that if women tolerate the procedure as well as you say, that repeating it is not something that most people would hesitate to do. You know, sleep alteration is another issue for many menopausal women, and I've seen your reports that this procedure can affect sleep as well. Is it that the hot flashes are alleviated that wake the woman up, or is the block actually doing something with the altered sleep patterns that we know to be a problem during menopause? Well, yet another excellent question. I obviously know your subject. In our publication in Lancet Oncology, we were able to demonstrate average weekly wake-ups were about from 20, went from 20 to 1 or 2 per week, which was a huge effect. As far as the mechanism, I have a theory on that. One, it may be just a hot flash reduction. However, there is a suggestion, at least I found in an article in two that suggests that stellar ganglion block actually affects melatonin levels directly. I have not had resources, unfortunately, to study that, and we, you know, we're trying to find those, but I'm very interested in evaluating melatonin levels before and after the block. I believe the melatonin level will markedly increase. The reason that article was published, it was a medical hypothesis in 2 they found that penilocytes, or the cells that produce melatonin, degrade over time with sympathetic overflow. As people age, sympathetic system is more active. So if you can reset it or do a sympathectomy on rats, for example, penilocytes come back to life better. I'd like to thank Dr. Lipoff, who's been our guest. We've been discussing the use of stellate ganglion block to alleviate hot flashes. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lauren Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health. So, Rachel, Mm -hmm. now that you're past menopause and we've determined you have osteoporosis, I'd like to start you on prescription-only Avista, raloxifene hydrochloride tablets. Why Avista? Well, because it's the only medicine that reduces the risk of osteoporotic fractures and invasive breast cancer in women like you. It's important to note, though, that Avista does not treat breast cancer, prevent its return, or reduce the risk of all forms of breast cancer. Am I really at risk for invasive breast cancer? Based on my risk assessment, you may be. Some risk factors for breast cancer include advancing age, family history, and personal history. So even though no one in my family has ever had breast cancer, I'm still at risk for other reasons, including my advancing age? Exactly. 
And I think the benefits outweigh the potential risks for you. It's the one medicine that treats osteoporosis and reduces the risk of invasive breast cancer in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. Individual results may vary, of course, but that's exciting news. Exciting? I'll have to take your word on that, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Avista increases the risk of blood clots and should not be used by women who have or have had blood clots in the legs, lungs, or eyes. Avista may increase the risk of dying from stroke in women at high risk for heart disease or stroke. Talk to your doctor about all your medical conditions. Seek care immediately if you have leg pain or warmth, swelling of the legs, hands, or feet, chest pain, shortness of breath, or a sudden vision change. Do not use Avista if you are pregnant, nursing, or may become pregnant, as it may cause fetal harm. Women with liver or kidney disease should use Avista with caution. Avista should not be taken with estrogens. Side effects may include hot flashes, leg cramps, and swelling. For more information about Avista, contact your Lilly sales representative, visit www.avista.com, see our ad in Good Housekeeping, or call 1-888-44-AVISTA.